Welcome what? to the Illuminati Podcast. We're live, Vito. It's been a while. And you know what? The last time Seth and Vito were live together by themselves um, was Elena Cheneke's very first game. Why do I remember that? Because we had a heck of a time trying to remember how to pronounce her name. I think we were close. I think yes. our final, uh, I think we finally, we came down with Sneaky, which is not as far off as it could have been. So <laughs> it's... It's it was one of those uh, incredible moments, so here we go. Yeah. So all right, we've got one special guest, and it looks like we want we want to put him live. I don't know if he's ready for live live uh, radio. Yeah, well, we'll uh, we'll we'll wait to make sure that he's good, and we'll talk a little bit about uh, what what's been happening since we've been gone. Yeah. So uh, on our side, we we did the uh, interview with Coach Golish. Uh, that was the last time I think we did a podcast, right? The last thing we released. Yeah, so that that was the last one, and uh, I actually wanted to chat with you because how was that experience? Because um, editing it, he seemed like a really genuine, interesting guy who had uh, who was really sharp and really chat with you guys. So how was that from your perspective? Yeah, no, like going into it, I I, I thought he would be pretty good, just kind of seeing how he did in other interviews and. Uh, you know, he he's allows himself to have some fun, it seems like, in interviews. So I knew we had some questions we could ask and off that. But we didn't want to do – I know I'm kind of speaking for Nathan here, but we kind of told – we didn't really want to do, like, the same thing that everybody else had done thus far. You know, a lot of, you know, what kind of gum are you chewing? Are you going to Portillo's? That kind of stuff from, like, the early press conferences. We want to try to do some more stuff. And I really I, – I, I could have talked with them for an hour just about asking them different questions about football and – how they set up their practice and things like that. So I got a few of those football nerd questions answered. Uh, a couple of them sidestepped, but I, I he was really, really good to talk to. I really enjoyed it. Um, and he gave us some extra time. Uh, we just can't be mean on Twitter. So that <laughs> that that was great, and I'm I'm surprised that uh, so we have that on audio. And uh, so four years, it's a it's a, it's a long time. But I thought that was hilarious. I mean, just. Uh, th- that moment, or even some of the stuff like, "Hey, uh, I'm not going to give away trade secrets." <laughs> I was like, really, okay, yeah. I uh, listen, coach. I'm we're, I'm watching. Just to let you know, we're, we see, we see the the ball boys on the sideline. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're 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 picking it up. Uh, but you know, it was really cool. He was. Uh, I thought he was pretty open. We didn't get. I, I thought the most interesting thing, kind of, because we're going to talk recruiting here in a second. Or maybe sometime in this podcast, we got we got uh, one of our distinguished guests waiting in the wings, so we won't let him make him wait too long. But um, <laughs> when he was talking about recruiting, he talked about sending all the guys to all his assistant coaches to a kind of scout school. I thought that was really an interesting tidbit um, in determining kind of how they look at players. So I, I'm assuming they've got traits or things they think fit in their systems, and this is what they want guys looking for, and these are the kind of guys they want to bring in the program. So they kind of went and taught each coach, hey, this is what we're looking for uh, when you're watching film. These are the traits we want. So uh, I thought that was a really interesting thing that I don't think a lot of people really um, picked up on. So it was, it was good. He, I thought he gave us some really good answers and was thoughtful and uh, didn't coach speak us too much. So it was fun. Yeah, that I'm hoping that uh, that can continue. I, I know when all the new coaches come on, they have to kind of do the whole media row thing and you go talk to everybody and some's more rah-rah than others. But that, that was neat to be like, okay, because he, he's done a bunch before um, you guys lined this one up. So it was nice that he was still just kind of fun, light, lighthearted. And um, 
that was neat given the extra time too and that it seemed like he enjoyed it so uh that that was great because mostly at every time that um nate or colin or anyone else has gotten a coach on it was during media days so this is really neat to have it pretty much in you know it's off season but still busy time to be able to get that interview yeah it was awesome and he you know giving us the extra time was was really cool you know and uh, we heard that he had he had a good time, so that was that was nice, kind of seeing that he, he enjoyed it, and uh, maybe that's why he gave us a few extra minutes because it wasn't uh, too boilerplate. But yeah, it was uh, it was good. We you know we appreciate him giving us some time, and and then uh, it took a while to get it together, but we're glad we were able to get it done because um, <laughs> we thought we thought we had a chance. A new guy, we want to get the message yeah. out there, so I'm glad we were able to get him on because he uh, I thought he he was really really good. I will say my favorite thing that you said was, uh, I got one last question. It's a silly one. He said, I'll give you five more minutes. Like, oh, I'm going to save that for the end then. Here's, here's some more fun stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's, I, I was, I didn't want to, I didn't want to get him to extend time then go into a uh, Tony Perkis question. on <laughs> But uh, as, as all good coaches do, he turned it into a, a bit of a sales pitch. So that was smart. Uh, and then he did answer the Tony Perkis question at the end. So that was fun. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was nice um, to see him, uh, um, kind of play around a little bit, so he wasn't stern enough with us. It, it's always good when uh, people hear "Welcome to the Illuminati Podcast" and don't laugh right away. Uh, <laughs> that that has happened in the past. Um, a bit of a humble brag. That was actually the way the timing worked out was perfect. That was my one thousandth podcast ever edited. So. One thousand is a big freaking number, so I will thank uh, a lot of that's a lot of fuck. It's a lot of audio. That so I will thank Colin Sherwin for bringing me on back in 2017. and uh, yeah, that's uh, that that was that was one, and uh, Golish was one thousand, so it was only fitting. So that 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 was a lot of fun. There you go. We started with Colin, ended with Golish. What a come up for you! <laughs> now Colin brought you on now. Are we ready to bring him on? I think so. And I think we're that was the favorite transition. Look at that transition. I'm working. That's why we get the big guests here. Here he is. Smooth the silk, boys. How the heck are you? We're good. Fantastic. Good to see you. Good to see you. Good to see you too, in, my friend. Are you in a different location? Uh, I am current. So I uh, clo- or I uh, signed a contract for a house about four days ago. And so Holy I am. Crap. Be, yeah, I'm going to almost for I'm mean, almost for like another two, three weeks. So um, I am currently uh, at the uh, home of um, failed city council candidate Hoyt Prindle, um, oh. who took me in. Um, you know, he he didn't have anything else to do since he's not on city council because he lost by 135 votes. So um, I am here. <laughs> Just... So I am I am here until my place closes, which will either be uh, sometime in the third week in June or it will be in mid July because I won't be here after that. So. Um, in the interim, I am just sort of, uh, going through, but yeah, I'm going to, I'm moving to channel side. I'm going to leave my beloved South Tampa, but be only a small bike ride away. So, um, but I will be walking distance to lightning games and that was yeah. a key factor in my decision. So I'm, I'm assuming that the house comes with the season tickets that you have. <laughs> yes, exactly. Or I'm just going to call everybody I know works for the lightning and just annoy them way more than I already do. Um, in looking for, uh, freebies and whatever else because i thought a god that what i'm for <laughs> <laughs> excellent well congratulations that is inc- Thanks, breaking buddy. news 
here on the Balluminati podcast. Here, I got this going here now. Uh, <laughs> got, got a condo. This is pretty cool. We gotta have a house party, or at least do a recording okay. over there. Just, just, just hang out, and watch some sports. But so you, yeah, wait till you see the play. Like I, I'm gonna get it all straightened away before I invite anybody over. But um, also, we're gonna be walking distance to the NCAA volleyball final four this year. And also that preseason tournament that they're, they're doing uh, the first the last weekend in August, and I've already been in touch with some friends around that program about how we could possibly pregame and or postgame enjoy the celebrations. Um, uh, I believe uh, Michelle Collier, best player in USF history, will be down with her Georgia Tech uh, Yellow Jackets as well for that tournament. So should be good. Heck, heck yeah, let's go. So Colin. We uh, yes, we wanted to bring you on as a distinguished guest here um, <laughs> to talk about the the big news from last week. We wanted to try to get it get on it and, and kind of put something out as soon as it happened, but we wanted to get some um, some expert opinions. So we've got you on here. We have another special guest lined up for uh, hopefully later. Uh, I, I was really hoping that special guest would be here because I think he's got. I think between the two of us, I think we probably have this whole thing covered, but. Um, hopefully he can slide in here at some point. Um, but yeah, yeah, we want, yeah, we were hoping to get him and I will get him on hopefully in a little bit here, uh, hitting the kind of the academic side, what is involved in joining. And of course, if you don't know, USF was extended an invitation to join the AAU and it's not, you know, the one that runs uh, terrible basketball tournaments and baseball tournaments. Man, <laughs> what I was so t- hoping to see real law in like a, a, a sweatsuit, like a velour sweatsuit, like running around and like, you know, dropping bags of cash on like, you know, 14 year old kids. Like, come on. What, what, is that's so, not what this is. We're playing on the sideways courts that are going to cross <laughs> the normal court. Yeah. <laughs> Three it's games. not bad. As much as we want it to be. It's not, that's not what it is. Look at it that is. sweet, sweet logo right next to Carnegie Woo! Mellon under Notre Dame and uh, above Arizona state. But sure. The real space. Yeah. You anyway. Yes, this AU is the Association of American Universities, um, also known as, you know, a prerequisite for the Big Ten up until recently, uh, and maybe into the future, we'll see. Uh, but a very prestigious academic association here. Um, on your end, Colin, we want to talk to you kind of, first of all, as, as an alum, you know, how do you feel? Your, your degree's maybe worth a little bit more here, or... Is that, or how do you feel kind of as an alum and, and someone that's been around the school seeing it kind of move in this direction? I know this is something I've heard you talk about and the guys at the site talk about um, they thought was possible in the near future and it's happened. So kind of how do you feel as an alum and someone that's been around for a, a long time? So I got not emotional, but like there were two things last week that really just sort of like, oh, wow, like, holy crap, that just happened. I uh, want that and then Rojang winning the her first ever pro golf tournament, which was the sickest thing I've ever seen. Like she won the NCAA championship and then two weeks later she wins uh, the most valuable event, the LPGA. Um, I, I was really surprised at at how I uh, I reacted because I was like, oh my God, they actually did it. Because I've been hearing about this literally since I don't know since I think I think the first time I ever heard it mentioned I was Mike Griffin's campaign manager when he ran for student body president of almost 20 years ago um and I did that twice yeah exactly and I think that was the first time more than 20 years ago now. um and I think that was the first time that I had heard somebody actually float the idea of joining the AAU 
um, it always seemed to me like, yes, we are reaching for this. And I think for years, the, the school has clearly been qualified in terms of research dollars, in terms of patents, in terms of community impact, in terms of like all the standards were there. But this is a private club. And just because you meet the standards doesn't mean they are necessarily going to accept you. Um, you know, they it's such a new school and there are so many things that are are you know, different about USF than a lot of institutions. I think we certainly had the cachet, but I was, or the, maybe not, we didn't have the cachet, but we did have all of the, the parts in place, you know, all of the requirements that, you know, to compete with these universities. So to see it actually get over the line and get done, um, look, I mean, it is no secret. I have, I have been very upset not happy with some of the things USF has done over the last 20 years. You might've read about it on sites like the daily stampede.com um, or my Twitter account or talk to me anywhere or like whatever. I mean, I'm, you know, I, I certainly think that USF has failed to walk and chew gum a lot at the same time, but this was always the sole focus. This was the number one thing. This was, if you could put any top level administrator of the last 20 years, you know, say, you know, you're, you're king for a day, you get one wish, what is it? It would be to make USF an AAU school. Um, and they did it. So criticisms aside, it, it is an incredible moment for the, for the school. You know, They're not making any more Ivy League schools. And there's no such thing as a public Ivy. That's something that Michigan grads made up to make themselves feel better. Um, there's, there is, outside of that, this is the top tier of of schools that you could possibly be a part of, public or private. These are the schools that make a difference in terms of higher education. They are the ones who set policy. They are the ones uh, that change the world. And so for USF to get into that tier and to that level, you, you got to give Judy Kentreff a lot of credit here. You know, like, <laughs> I mean, she she wasn't the one who got them over the line, but this is a lot of this goes, this is, will be a part of her legacy, even though she's been gone for a couple of years, you got to give some credit to Ralph Wilcox. Who's not there anymore either. Like they held the academic line on a lot of things. They continued to invest while I think they could have done some other things as in addition to this differently, this was the goal and they got there and that's a massive, massive accomplishment. And now like your degree is, your degree is worth more today than it was a week ago. 100%. As uh, someone who works at the university, too, uh, there was a big old party that happened on Friday. This came out of nowhere, too. I mean, the, I, I'm not going to say I'm an insider in any sense, just based on where I work um, on that side of campus. But it's one of those things where I, I thought we were years down the road. I thought this was still a low, slow, a slow play that was still um, on the road to happening. And to have this major announcement, uh, just pretty much hearing, hey, this is going to be big, a big, big news at noon. And it's like, OK, what's this going to be? And then that came out of nowhere. I don't, I didn't yeah. hear anybody else, um, kind of floated that, Hey, this is a possibility. And I don't pretty much over the past five years, they have done so much in the academic space than the previous 2025, but it all had to lay the groundwork and, yeah. and you start seeing that all the pieces started settling in. And now you can add that to, you know, the, the rising, um, uh, us news and world report rankings and, all the uh, research dollars coming in, what the, you know, Morsani and Moffitt's doing. It's just like, it's a, USF's turning into a, a big university in, in, in this space and in the city. Baby's all grown up. Um, yeah, I, I'm, 
I still can't believe it. And like, you know, I had heard about this for so long. And by the way, like you, Vito, like, you know, we talk to a lot of people at the university every day. I had no clue. I didn't know it was this close. I didn't know they were on the precipice. I don't know how this process even played out. I haven't really talked to anybody about like, you know, well, when did you know, or, you know, was there any sort of like last minute wrangling or anything that happened here? Um, I think what's really interesting too, is that Arizona state, um, is another one of these schools. Arizona State, I think, is the second or third largest university in the country in terms of student population. Uh, if you work at Starbucks, any Starbucks in the country, and you have, I, I believe, you for like at least a half time, or if you work a certain number of hours a week, you can get an undergraduate degree for free from Arizona State. Um, hmm. And it is certainly known as a school that has a, uh, what's fair to say, party reputation (laughs) uh, possibly like one of the big great party schools in the history of of like the world um and the fact that like they took them i think is and us i think is a testament to the changing dynamics of higher education that large public institutions in major media markets and major metropolitan areas that's the future of of higher education in this country um, and that's certainly what USF is. So I, I thought the inclusion of two schools in that sort of same, you know, realm, I think USF's probably a little bit further along. Um, academically, I think Arizona State certainly has a little bit more history and tradition and probably has, you know, some better like community ties. Um, but to, the, to their area, although they are certainly a, like a global enterprise at this point as well. Um, and I think that's where USF's got to go. So it, this is just, I, I, I can't, the, to me, the two biggest days in the history of the institution, at least since I've been there, were the day of the Big East, in, the day of the Big East announcement and this and this and the AAU. Well, you can technically get out of, get kicked out of the AAU, um, ask Nebraska, because uh, <laughs> it does happen. Um, whoops. But it does, it doesn't happen very often. And so I think this is something that will be permanent and definitely fits with the university's mission um, much more so. But like, I just, I see that list of schools and I go, oh my God, really? Like, I get, first of all, I'd never get in now. I don't know about you guys. I could never get into USF now. <laughs> There's no way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah. that's to tough. See, <laughs> to see us on that list is like, man, you know what? They, they screwed up a lot of stuff. They screwed up the Big East. They screwed up. They screwed up football. They didn't invest. They, you know, failed a lot of things seven ways from Sunday. But man, they got they got the big one right, and you can't take it away. It's an amazing. It's really amazing accomplishment. First, first, John Ron wins the Masters, and now they get the Arizona State's having a having a year. Yeah, pretty good. Um, <laughs> uh, they you, fire her. You know, if you still have her, you can get in the AAU. Can well, that was the last. With her. That was the last push. Get rid of her. <laughs> like you're in. That was the last. What's interesting is going back and looking at, you know, kind of how often membership is is grown there. It's not. It's not like every year they're adding somebody. It, yeah. it comes in like in a long time. Yeah, drips and drabs. It's not. Um, it looks like they added like one school in 21, a couple in 19, and then before that it was 2010. And it it's one or two. I, I was surprised that um, you know there was a f- few different ones that came in at the same time, um, and a lot of them kind of on the football teams that are kind of not just academic. You got Notre Dame, Miami, Arizona State. I mentioned USF, Santa 
kind of some, you know, D1 football, and uh, that might kind of have something to do with <laughs> Rutgers has been in for a minute, I think, right? <laughs> yeah. I, so the, the I had more than one person because I sent out a tweet about, hey, Big Ten, you know, if you like warm weather like USC and UCLA, we have a couple of places that are closer now that are AAUL, they're AAU and L and very much looking for a new conference. Oh, um, and while I don't think that's something that will, I don't think we'll see that announcement um, anytime in the near or immediate future. Um, this is just something else that opens up another level of, uh, you know, of access. Because remember, conference alignment decisions don't get made by athletic directors. They get made by presidents, chancellors, boards of trustee, um, things like that. And I, I think that, you know, it just, I, in terms of athletics, I think this is maybe not as impactful to athletics as it is to the university as a whole. But I think it shows that, like, if you're a student that's thinking about, oh, USF, are they any good at anything academically? They go, yeah, this is who, these are our peer schools now. Uh, does does it give athletics any ammo to say, ease off the stadium, nerds? You've got this one. No. No, that's not going to happen. Look, the, the, <laughs> I, look I, the, the tension between the United Faculty of Florida and the universities that, that they serve, um, is always going to be there because this, despite what you, the three of us in this room and most of the people listening may think, um, USF is actually supposed to primarily be an academic institution. Um, you know, unfortunately, I, I wish that wasn't the case. I wish we could just, <laughs> you know, put all the money in, in baseball, at, at tennis and golf and volleyball and, and all of you know, these sports that I really care about. Um, but unfortunately, that doesn't like, you know, really fit like the whole mission thing deal so i i i don't think yeah i know right but i so i don't think the the stadium uh reluctance of the faculty will change and i think that's probably fair considering that like their tenure's under threat right now by the state um so it's, are, it's not going to be a one for you one for me situation here no there i mean there's some i mean i you know, basically there's some language in some, in some bills that passed in the last legislature that like really limits some of the things that can be explored academically, um, statewide, they might get thrown out in court. Some of them have already been thrown out in court previously. They, these, these might as well. Um, but it's not a great time to be like a tenured or tenure track, uh, professor at any institution in Florida, not just USF. In fact, if any of them, I think USF would probably be the number one, one you'd want to go to. Um, it's not like Ben Sass got the, pre the presidency of the University of Florida because he's like such a proponent of like academic freedom. Um, so if you're going to go anywhere as a professor in the state of Florida, you'd, you'd probably want to come here over any state school. Um, how do you think this, how we, you kind of touched on it briefly. It seems like for the longest time, um, the thought with realignment and, and maybe moving to a power five conference has always been kind of ACC centric, right? Um, mm -hmm. A bunch of people have heard from a bunch of different people. It's not just kind of one person putting it out. It seems to be a lot of guys have heard from a lot of different people that ACC is a possibility in the future. Obviously, things need to happen, right? It's very contingent on, I'm sure on some on the field performance would probably be helpful. And then the stadium, I'm sure it's helpful. Um, but now, as you mentioned, the Big Ten is kind of notorious for looking at schools with AAU. 
does this open them up as a small, albeit a very small possibility, or do you think that's kind of Miami kind of get it in? Is it basically going to be, if you do have a chance, it's going to be you're racing against Miami's grand rights coming up in the ACC, and maybe you take their spot in the ACC? Is that, or do you think those two are distinctly linked, Miami and USF? I, I look at, on this, you know, on this molt, this, you know, grain of sand of a chance. Yeah, I would say we probably more linked to Miami than not. But like, remember, Miami is one of those seven schools in the ACC that's trying to wriggle out now um, because of revenue reasons. Led, it seems to be by Florida State and Clemson, seem to be leading the revolt there. I thought Miami would be a Big Ten fit if they were a. Yeah, they are. Yeah, no, they, they certainly are. I mean, the, I think, I think a lot of it is the. Um, the the uh, oceanic research that they do there, I believe that is the, like the the big. They have a huge medical complex as well, of course. But like um, the, I think a lot of it is you know is their hard sciences um, is is part of the, is a lot of the reason why they got this. But I mean, if you're trying to carry the Florida market, you know the. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is something that would be considered. But like, look, if if the ACC drops down, you know, if let's say those seven schools split off and they find a way out of the granite rights, which I don't think they ever could, but that thing appears to be written in, in cement. Um, yeah. And <laughs> it's 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 up there with the raise lease in terms of like the great contracts in the history of the world. Maybe like maybe like the the prenup in the War of the Roses, the the raise thirty year lease, oh, and then like the, the ACC granite rights. I think it's like those three. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, I, I think um, if it did happen, like, look, I, I don't think the ACC is going to give two hoots either way. Um, you know, Louisville doesn't, you know, Louisville was a glorified junior college basically when they got accepted to the ACC. They've improved academically since then, but, um, you know, they'd come for UCF ahead of us right now. Yeah. More student population, better attendance. Um, you know, they just, uh, I think they would, you know, it's, if they had their druthers and they had to pick one, um, and both are of equal ability to get free. Um, although I would assume that the, I don't know the deal, but I would assume UCF signed over a decent amount of their, um, rights and, or are walked into some kind of long-term contract now. Um, so yeah, I know so they, they, don't I, get a full, they don't get a full share. I'd imagine they have a punitive exit fee if they exited early so that would be yeah for sure like it would be like ridiculous amount. whereas like usf's what is it like it's 12 months or 18 months and like five million dollars or something it's like not not bad at all so basically and despite the this news which is awesome i think we all agree it's great that it really is going to come down to are you playing well for an extended period of time on the field right this doesn't really change much in terms you know what i think in terms of in terms of conference, I don't I don't think, you know, at this point, I don't think it makes a difference. Now, maybe in ten and fifteen years, when USF is in a better position, or maybe even less than that, um, when USF is a better position on the field, this just opens up more doors. Yeah. You know, that's that's all it does is it just it puts you in the room and it opens up more doors. But I don't think it it has any immediate effects in terms of, of conference. Um, what I found most interesting is, you know, I saw that stadium financing plan, and that's probably a different show. Um, but I mm-hmm. I saw that and I went oh they are not messing around here they're floating only two hundred on a three forty stadium and that's because they took all the money from WUSF and pumped it one hundred percent into the stadium and there's no student fee increase which 
blew my mind, honestly. Like I just was assuming that there was going to be a student fee increase and there wasn't one. Um, they're doing that was huge fee. that they didn't even say, we're going to look at it. We're going to do a feasibility study or talk to people. They just, they can did the, it, it, I, I right. feel like it was, we already had this sign seal delivered and everybody was, you know, chatting, wondering where, where's this coming from? It's like, that we, we, we got taken care of buddies. Does that also lead, does that also lead you to believe that it's going to be multi, multi, multi-use? Like they're going to try to get, Oh yeah. Uh, they're going to design it in a way. And this is, I think when everyone's asking for renderings, you know, I don't think anything's kind of well, perfect timing, but where they're in that it seems like right they're they've got to design it i'd assume to be a year-round facility to make year-round revenue on it so, so it, oh 100 that's got to be in coming into uh coming into play here so so i am uh, first of all i just realized that there were comments hey guys how are you i just did i didn't even know that there were i could i just turned <laughs> those on um secondly i yeah the you have to any facility that you built like this like you can't just have it open six or seven days a year like that's insane you can't do that anymore this is 340 million dollars like it's not no. paying for itself just on that you're going to need monster truck shows and you're going to need big concerts and you're going to need like you know you're going to need to take away some of um the special events from ray j and from the amphitheater you know the problem is is that our area is already like oversaturated with facilities already we got you know the amphitheater we got we got Ray J, we got Emily, you know, so there's only so many events that you can like bring it. Um, obviously the, the rowdies seem like a perfect fit, um, <laughs> like to play their green and gold already drop them in. They've got a history of playing at USF anyway, way, 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 way back in the day. Um, but Al Lang, uh, with the sunset in the background, oh, it's perfect. It's gorgeous. And it's also like a dump and it's a beautiful, it's a visually a beautiful dump, but it's a dump that they're not going to put any more money into. And, you know, Stuart Silverman loves free stadiums built by the taxpayers. And, uh, that's just seemed to be like, you know, what he would have an opportunity to get here. Um, I heard some people talking about, a um, a women's, uh, you know, NWSL possible franchise that might be a good fit there. Um, but yeah, you got to fill it. I think a secondary tenant, something like that, like, you know, whatever that secondary tenant is, is always going to be good. And then they've got to get out and sell it. And that's why having the Vinick sports group representing that facility, which they will, they're going to go out and sell concerts. They're going to go out and pitch. That's their job is to go get as many events into that facility as they can. Um, and I, for Vinick, he, he gets the win because he's already got Emily. Now he gets an outdoor facility that he can control that can be competitive for concerts that he can dip into, you know, the bucks in the, the Tampa sports authority sort of stranglehold on like, you know, if you want to see Yance or, or Tay Tay or whatever, you only basically want one option. Well, this could second, you know, technically be a secondary option at some point for, for being at those level of shows, but like the next step down. And it's a good middle road, right? Between like yeah. the people running the huge stadium and maybe a smaller arena. Right. And, and then you also get, you know, bowl game, that kind of thing could be moved over there. Right. So, on, Oh, the Gasparilla bowl, I think would be ex and, you know, I haven't talked to Scott or anybody over there, but I would think the Gasparilla would be extremely interested in having a facility where they would have a little bit more control and not have to pay for parking spaces and, you know, in some the of the you know, buck season in the middle That's of the buck season, true. not being able to paint the fields. And, and this, so I haven't, I haven't talked to, you know, anybody over there about that, but that would seem to be something that makes sense. And I know Michael Kelly has great relationships with uh, the folks over there. So, 
um, yeah, we'll see. I, I, but I would assume that like, you know, here, here's where I was really encouraged. Like I was around when they redid the Sun Dome and I saw those performers and I went, wait a minute. So you're telling me you're going to sell however many suites there are on the Sun Dome, like eight, 12, whatever it is. They're like, we're going to get like, I think it was like 30,000 or 50,000. We're going to get like 30 or $50,000 per suite. And then they're going to buy the tickets on top of that. Who? <laughs> like, who bought who? those? Who was going to pay 35 to 50 grand a year to get first crack at, at USF men's and women's basketball and the occasional fits in the tantrums concert or, you know, foster the people? Like, that's that's the move here? So, um, that pro forma, I think, you know, the people who signed off on it, a lot of them are still here. And I think a lot of those same folks were burned by that, thought the institution didn't really do its due diligence and they changed, they, they changed it here. Big ones. This is going to happen and this is coming from, um, you know, this money is real. It's going to happen. I would assume there's a naming rights person that we, jo- we just don't know lined up already. I think that's got to be it. And by the way, all of us are going to pay too because we're all going to be buying PSLs, y'all. Start saving your start saving your nickels and dimes now. They can tell you to buy season tickets so you can get in on the no 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 no. I mean, like, yeah, go buy season tickets. You know, whatever. But the the big thing is is that you're gonna get hit up for a PSL. Like <laughs> and then so, if you're not familiar, that's personal seat license where you basically pay a fee for the right to buy season tickets in the new state. I was gonna I was gonna <laughs> I was gonna say, hey, so if there are people who don't know, it's not pumpkin spice latte, right? <laughs> Never mind. That was the the kick joke. Um, I imagine Bullstock and all of whatever random outside concerts you had, USF Bulls Week, whatever, we'll go there. I mean, they have the whole um, planned plaza for food trucks. Maybe you can get solo acts in the square and the piazza kind of area, not maybe in the stadium. That's the other hope is you hope you have some sort of event planner who's saying this is what we could do for the students, whether it's, you know, bring in major um, acts or you bring in whatever to at least fill it so people will want to wander from where they're living in the dorms to come over there. And also what the heck happens to uh, 50th street? Because now on 50th and Malibu become like prime real estate. <laughs> Cause now you're so, across the street from the stadium or what happens there? I was, I've, I was talking to a couple of people. Like I said, I, I just bought a condo last week and I was talking to a couple of people and they're like, Oh, so you're going to buy it up by off, off, you know, 50th off 50th somewhere and just like have yourself walking the football games i'm like i can't live in north tampa again i just i I can't do that but if i was yeah and like there are some old there's some old fogies that are already trying to find like you know i I don't know if you're familiar with old school fsu they're basically these old guys bought a frat house at fsu and they just use it on game days and basically for like a couple other events throughout the year but they bring their families they go it's like several hundred guys they set up like a 501c3 for this place and you just go you get a wristband you tailgate you pregame you postgame everything's done and it's all taken care of for you and i i know there are a couple people who are extremely interested in possibly finding some sort of real estate slice like that by the new usf stadium and then making that sort of like a having like old school issue sort of be a model for what they want to do as well that's cool all right we've got our second distinguished guest probably I think it's fair to say, Colin, probably our more distinguished guest. He definitely has more degrees than I am, and he's definitely like a better, <laughs> you know, human being. So, like, um, Morrison, uh, 
I going up. Hey, hey buddy, uh, I'm going to jump off because I actually I'm going to mute myself because I want to hear what you have to say about AAU. But um, I talked to a I have a um, Notre Dame grad who is our my golf editor who's doing golf stuff for me today, and she works with us. And she was like, AAU, hey, that sounds great. What is that? So why is this not as big a deal to the Notre Dame folk as it has been to every USF person who is like sending out memes of like, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio with this, you know, pinky finger up in the air. Ooh, ah, 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 <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, I think it's about institutional goals and the projection of where you want to go. So with Notre Dame, for a long time, their mission was undergraduate, almost fo- purely focused on undergraduate education. Uh, people were asking, well, why aren't many biggie schools in the AAU? They're mostly private schools. They don't really have much in terms of research funds that come from the National Science Foundation or from uh, the National Institute of Health. They focus very much on the uh, undergraduate educational goal. And the AAU has a lot to do, not just with your uh, educational mission, but with your research objectives. So Notre Dame, if you look at the um, U.S. News and World Report rankings, they've always they've been in the top 20 for as long as I can remember. And that's been a big thing with how the undergraduate community works. Um, In the last uh, 15 years or so after Father Jenkins became the university president, there was a shift in uh, we want to go after more federal research funds. Notre Dame's almost had a 3x increase in federal research funds over the last 12 years, from about, I think, about 100 million to almost uh, 275 million this past year. So that's been a huge part of it. Um, And the issue is Notre Dame's still kind of been around, you know, anywhere between 17 to 20 in those rankings. So Notre Dame's had like this international branding already Whereas with uh, USF, um, what this demonstrates is a growth in both our undergraduate mission as well as our research. So this is a demonstration that we are um, coming up uh, in the uh, overall rankings. Uh, Notre Dame was founded in 1842, USF 1956. So it's a much different in terms of what we're trying to show uh, as a mission, a mission of the university. Now, the big thing is now we're demonstrating. Now you can get into the AAU, which is basically a large lobbying. Uh, it's a uh, about seventy-one institutions that lobby the federal government to indicate, based on what our researchers and faculty and grad students are producing, this is where we think that the direction of uh, research funding from the federal government should be. Um, and so now USF being a part of that, and Notre Dame being a part of that. We now have a seat at that table where uh, I, I missed a lot of, I'm sure you talked a lot about the, the Big Ten really focuses on AAU membership. Or one of the reasons why the Big Ten, that matters so much to them, is because part of the uh, mission of the athletics is to f- also facilitate these large research collaborations. Um, and that's why it matters so much to them. So with Notre Dame and USF now being parts of the AAU, what USF is like, hey, look, we're we're now on the national stage. And with uh, Notre Dame, one of the reasons why it's kind of not as much of a big deal is because uh, a lot of the people who would be talking about it, like your uh, like your friend who, from uh, the golf editor, uh, came up through the undergrad where there was already this large uh, national reputation. 
for those of you just listening at home and not watching, we've got Dr. Matt in the house. Could you uh, introduce yourself and kind of uh, tell everybody that maybe doesn't hasn't heard you on before? I know you've been on a few times, but tell them a little bit about yourself so they understand. Okay. Uh, so, sure, not a problem, Seth. Thanks for having me, uh, uh, Anthony. Thanks for having me as well. Mm-hmm. Um, or short version, I uh, I grew up uh, in Maryland. I um, actually, my dad went to Notre Dame, and my active rebellion was: I'm not applying to college. I'm not going to Notre Dame. I'm going to list in the Navy. And I did uh, six years as uh, a nuclear reactor operator on fast attack submarines. Um, and after I got out of the Navy, I was like, I'm going to do my six years. I'm going to go to school. And then I get out. And I'm like, wait a minute. I don't, where am I going to go to school? I, what I do take my GI bill. Um, and so uh, I started asking around to a, a lot of my uh, Navy friends, like if you could do it all over again, where would you go to school? And so many of them said, go to USF. Uh, Oh, hey, Mike, how's it going? We fell uh, vet too. Uh, um, so, so many have just said, hey, look, in terms of accepting your smart transcript credits, in terms of they're actually supporting veterans, um, USF, they really have their act together. So many universities um, don't have the infrastructure or in some cases, uh, to be frank, don't care. Um, and so I say, well, well I got to go visit USF. And I visit and they're like, hey, we well, should come to this football game. This really good football team. And uh, I, my first football game at USF was the West Virginia game. <laughs> and uh, I like to tell a story like the next Just... week I went out to visit uh, my my other choice, which was Texas Tech. And I went to Lubbock and I was like, nope, <laughs> I'm going to USF. This is a no brainer. Mm. So I go to USF. Um, I get my bachelor's. Uh, master's and PhD in uh, computer science and engineering. Um, one thing about the AAU is that this year the rules changed that uh, membership in national academies among faculty and graduates uh, became a factor in their choices. Uh, USF is the, is the home of the National Academy of Inventors. I believe it's the ninth highest public institution for granting patents in the world. Um so having that access is a valuable resource. Uh, when I got my patent, that's where uh, it's because I had the opportunity to work with uh, people through their patent office. Um, it's it's a valuable resource as well as uh, everything going on uh, at the with the with the medical school. Um, uh, after I grad uh, got my PhD for four years, I was a professor at the University of Mississippi. Um, and now I have uh, moved up to Notre Dame. I've been here now four and a half years. So you were a double you were a double winner last week. Yes, uh, big day for my resume. <laughs> so um, you know you you kind of touched on a little bit, but what has USF done to put themselves in this position to kind of get this invite and, and join the AAU? Right. So the um, there are several different in- indicators that uh, you that are used to get into the AAU. So for the first one. Um, you have competitively, competitively funded federal research support. So that's going through the National Sounds Foundation, the USDA, uh, going through the NIH. Uh, next part, faculty uh, awards, fellowships, and memberships. This is something that uh, I, I kind of alluded to it. Uh, USF is really uh, doubled down on. So going out, demonstrating, get those federal funds. Um, citations and books. So this is a very academic in the weeds thing. So when you publish a paper... When somebody says, hey, that's I need to cite that in order to justify my research, uh, USF has had a huge growth in, in that as well. 
large uh, increase in federal research funds. Um, and then the next part, you're going to doctoral education, postdoctoral appointees. So with doctoral education, kind of what I went through. So I was uh, funded. Uh, I did my research in low power computer chip design and you get funds from the National Science Foundation. You get uh, funds through Intel. You can get funds through uh, Cadence Design Systems, which funds a big part of my research. Um, and how you use that to be able to get graduate students through your program. Can you convince the National Science Foundation to fund you over a certain amount of time? And when you're doing that, you're paying PhD students to do research for you. But USF has grown a lot in that. Um, one thing that uh, I, I kind of laughed at when I was talking to some of my Notre Dame colleagues, uh, in the past when we were, AU was declined, one thing they said was uh, the uh, ratio of STEM to non-STEM uh, faculty. And the reason I kind of laughed at that is like, well, there's a right way to do that, which is to hire more STEM faculty. The wrong way to do that is to try to cut your college of education. Uh, that's the wrong way to do that. Yeah. Um, so uh, postdoctoral appointees, uh, I have, I'm a little less familiar with that because I, I didn't do a postdoc. But basically, um, when once you get your PhD, you can go work at a university uh, and um, work there for a little a bit, couple years as a, it's kind of like a, an advanced internship for, uh, a, for a PhD. You can either go work at a university or at a company and bringing in those kind of funds to help postdocs is something that's considered by the AU. So, uh, Colin, do you have a question? Real smooth transition there, Matt. You gotta do more broadcasting, buddy. Uh, I just dropped that in the chat. You weren't especially telling me that was in you a did, private chat. In, in fairness, you did raise your hand for the professor. I did. So you did do that. I very fair point. Hold on. I swear, you, I thought you were doing some golf stuff. Like okay, that happened over there. No, I was. I actually, I was. Uh, I am actually, literally, while we're sitting here, I'm updating U.S. Open qualifying. Um, congrats to Carlos Ortiz on the list. Um, so. Uh, Morrison, I have, uh, um, you sort of touched on this with the uh, College of Education and that complete 100% debacle, um, which probably is a, a real black mark on the University of OS. And academically, I think, you know, the probably the two biggest black marks on the school um, are the, the damn logo, just snafu, which is putting it nicely, and, and what they did to College of Education. Um, this is a sports podcast. This is not meant to be political, but everything is politics in some extent, especially at a public institution. Um, you know, only one school that I'm aware of has been kicked out of the AAU and that was Nebraska for that same reason about STEM research as opposed to non and that and they, they had research dollars, but it was like in agriculture and it was like in other things that weren't as relevant. And so they were, um, removed. There are certainly things happening in Florida education, um, right now that are, uh, suffice it to say controversial. Um, things like tenure protection matter to organizations like the AAU. Um, what do you, I'm not saying USF's going to get kicked out or anything like that, but like, what will USF have to do to come into line, um, and balance that, you know, the most recent legislation that's passed in the state of Florida with, you know, the principles and ideals of, of the AAU. Uh, so I, I will lead off by saying that since I'm not a, um, I, I'm not a, I don't, I'm not an AAU insider. I don't want to speculate too much. I don't want to uh, misspeak uh, about the state of politics or how that ties in. Uh, my first uh, instinct is to say the fact that they brought in two Florida universities 
um, one pro- public USF and one private Miami, um, speaks to the fact that there is some confidence in the AAU uh, in the long-term viability of the institutions. There's only 71 members, which means they don't take admission lightly. So that tells me that they believe that USF and Miami are on the right trajectory, they're bringing in the right research dollars, they're hiring the correct people, and that as of right now, um, it's not so much of an issue that it would possibly cause um, uh, a the AAU membership to be withdrawn. Uh, in order to do that, um, they would they has there has to be a majority vote. Um, there have been four universities that have left willingly, but they knew a majority vote was coming, or at least it's highly alluded to. The only university that's actually been voted out was Nebraska Lincoln. Um, it would be wildly embarrassing if you bring in USF and Miami. And then four years later, have to vote them out because of things that happened that were completely out of their control. And um, Florida, is, Florida is as well. So you have three from the state of Florida. Oh yes. If it, so if it was yeah, in UF exactly. So if you had to vote three three schools out from the same state um, that also have are bringing in competitive research funds, I think that's an issue. Um, I think if you uh, and I'll try to be, I'm going to be as vague as possible here. If you were a a state that had very serious problems trying to retain tenure track faculty um, because of politics, um, that would make it harder for you to attract, uh, get get membership into the AAU. It also doesn't actually matter to those institutions. Um, like for we kind of alluded to the Big East. I think they're more focused on undergraduate research. The the their uh, membership as private universities. I, I think AAU membership isn't quite a goal. I will say um, that as of right now, I wouldn't be worried uh, too much. But it's something to keep an eye on in the event that suddenly something horrific happens. Um, the unknown unknowns. It's kind of like well, why? How is USF positioning themselves in terms of conference membership as the results of the on-campus stadium, the IPF, and the AAU? It's positioning yourself for uh, un- unknowns. We There's all kinds of things that could happen with the Big 12 and the ACC. Something happens, nobody anticipates. We're now looking like a university that has its act together more than we did even four or five years ago. Um, so uh, to, to wrap up uh, my very long professorial answer to your question, Colin, um, I think right now we are okay. Um, I don't see a run on people leaving the university. In fact, the fact that they're getting a membership means they're actually attracting uh, professors to the school. Um, but it's something to it's something to keep an eye on. But I'm confident that uh, uh, President Law and uh, people like uh, Michael Kelly uh, have their finger on the pulse and can lobby to the state and to the federal government. It's one of the benefits of being an AAU member. We now have a more opportunity to be able to uh, make our voice heard in that and, and explain that some kind of laws could have very negative consequences. Is getting those uh, kind of uh, new great professors, thing, is that going to be maybe like exponential now that the AAU designation is there or is that something that doesn't really appeal to faculty? Is that like it, a big it, deal on that, on that side of the... It does because of uh, better access to research funds, because there are research funds that are primarily available to AAU members. And so if you're a faculty member and when you're a faculty member and you're building a tenure case, 
you have to demonstrate three things. They break it down by research, teaching, and service activities. And research, it as it depends on the institution, you say, all right, based on our status as an institution, we expect you to be able to raise a certain amount of dollars, graduate a certain number of students. And with AAU membership, that uh, expectation may be a little higher, but it, on the other hand, you have more access to funds. So it becomes, uh, you can there, you can target uh, certain uh, uh, grants. They're also in a, in a tie break. So the NSF career proposal is a perfect example of what I'm about to describe. Uh, the NSF career proposal is a five-year grant that junior tenure track faculty to, can go for to demonstrate uh, their excellence as, and potential as a long-term um, researcher. When the NSF is evaluating who's going to get it that year, you can you can go for it three times. Right? And in the, if there's somebody on a third year from an AAU institution and it's a tie break, they're going to go with the person from the AAU institution because they know that they need it to get tenure. Um, whereas other institutions, they are like, okay, well, we can come up with other ways. We see their potential. Um, but it, it's that it's got kind of politics that um, I, I think it would it, it absolutely makes USF more attractive to faculty than than before. So it can be a bit of a an accelerator. Yes, it's it's the primary reason why USF wanted to do it. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. So just and this is kind of for both Matt and Colin here because uh, it it seems like the last few years, especially since Michael Kelly got here, then Real Law became the president. Uh, it, there's a big old alignment happening throughout the entire university, the, the system and Tampa campus and across athletics every, everywhere else. Does, is this the most alignment you've seen since you've been in and around the, the USF and is in and around USF as a whole? And is this something that you actually see as we're used to a lot of, I don't want to say disappointment, but you know, so things seem great. Say it with your whole sudden. chest, Anthony. Say it with your whole chest. You're a USF grad. Disappointment is in your DNA. You can yep. say it. It's allowed. So is the, is this one of those things where you can go ahead and say everything else that's going on as as, as a fan of the university and athletics, you're seeing the alignment, and then this is kind of like another feather in the cap of where this university is going. Is that alignment there, and do you think that this is really the, the turning point to, you know, being more serious in all aspects, not serious necessarily, but being more successful in all aspects. All right. Um, so from my perspective, um, I, I uh, started in 2008. Um, and from my point of view, it's been a, uh, it, it's the most alignment I've seen. Um, I think that, uh, and in terms of from people I talk to who are there, they appear to be the happiest they've been since I've I've been around there, um, that's a good thing when you feel supported by the administration. When you actually feel that there's a plan, um, I remember uh, with uh, Alex Golish was hired. He's like, oh yeah, they showed me the university plan. I'm like, there's a plan. We have a plan. <laughs> Yay! Um, baby steps. <laughs> baby steps. We have a plan. Um, it's a good sign. Um, I think when as, as everybody talks about realignment and can we get into bigger conferences and more money and all this stuff? Um, I'm reminded of how uh, Leroy Selman used to get like talk to other conferences. He didn't act all thirsty. He didn't uh, tell everybody, uh, oh, hey, we really want to be in their conference. He, he just said, hey, look, we're building. Uh, this is what we're doing. This is our vision. Um, and if something comes up, 
and you want to talk to us, we have a story to tell. And these things with the AAU, with the on-campus stadium, uh, with the IPF, um, these are things of a story to tell. And with the on-campus stadium and and, and, and uh, unity throughout the university, one thing that I think is going to happen, and this is something that's happened a lot at Notre Dame over the last uh, four years, um, taking advantage of the on-campus stadium is a way to talk to benefactors for funding for academic programs. Um, something uh, when you guys come up for the uh, for the USF game uh, in you know, a million years or whenever it actually scheduled, um, you'll see that the Notre Dame Stadium is ext- a lot different than it was in 2011. They have three buildings that surround the stadium. First of all, they got rid of all those terrible seats. They're all gone. Thank goodness. Um, <laughs> uh, but the other thing is there's three um, buildings that they've built around the stadium. And one of them uh, has this huge gym that's literally the length of the football field um, at, at seven floors. And one of the floors that they use for alumni gatherings, they use it for um, uh recruitment for students. They use it to uh, attract uh, better factors and faculty go and they meet them and talk to them about their projects and things that you need in order to be able to develop competitive research programs. Um, Using that on-campus stadium and those football weekends and other events, concerts, whatever, uh, as opportunities to bring the community together in the way that USF, frankly, hasn't had just because the football stadium's been so far away and for and a lot of other reasons that we've talked about. Um, that's the big, bigger accelerator. You're, you're in the AAU. We've demonstrated we're building better research. We have actually have an on-campus community. We have an on-campus stadium uh, where we can bring people together and talk about how we want to grow an institution further. So it's really important. I think that uh, the next steps are getting alignment with the university growth, things like the uh, USF Foundation, USF Alumni Association, being able to show how it is we're going to tell our story and frankly, rebuild our relationship with the Tampa and USF alumni communities. I uh, 200% uh, agree. Matt, every time we do this, we agree on everything. We, it's, it's, it's not great. It's not exactly a <laughs> Skip and Shannon. Um, so... The alignment's better than I've seen it um, in my entire time here. Um, and, and I think that's for a, a couple of reasons. Um, any kind, and this is not a, a dig, I swear to God, it's not. Um, if somebody is the face of the university for two decades and and the, and the, the ground underneath changes so drastically, Tampa has changed so much academia has changed so much the mission of the university has changed so much the po- the you know it's a public institution it's run by state government so it is a political entity the politics of the state have changed drastically everything has changed about USF in the last 20 some years this goes double for for the former president at UCF who was there even longer than Genchef was at USF um, and just watch you know things fritter and, and away around. Um, it's a dynamic school. It needs dynamic and changing leadership. And I think they've gotten that. Um, you got to give credit to this board, man. Like you, you just do. They've, they, they haven't missed yet, you know? And I, I say that, you know, fully cognizant. I got a couple of friends there, but like, um, <laughs> I, they just haven't missed. And like, you know, they, what did we all say? We want a stadium. Got a stadium, got a plan. It's going to happen, you know? Money's going to be there. They found a way to make it happen. 
we wanted to get more people involved in athletics at the front door of the university. Well, you got an indoor practice facility now. Now you got to win games, and that'll get handled. And and you know, I think if we don't win games, I think we're going to see, you know, drastic wholesale changes in a lot of other places. But we're going to, you know, the things are in place now. Um, but the overriding mission of this was getting the AAU. And whether that was catering your incoming freshman classes to U.S. News and World Report criteria, which Matt and I, I think we both agree is maybe not the best thing in the interest of the institution in the long run. But they said, you know what, the, the greater good, the greater good is to cater to that because it'll be better for the institution as a whole. And even if the exact standards that we're trying to adhere to aren't really, you know, ideologically and, and performance wise, perfect it'll be better for the school in the long run and it'll help build the university the way that it needs to be built and it'll get the community invested. Um, and I think they've done that. So like, you know, it, on the whole, like how, I don't see how anybody can complain. There's the, what we always heard about USF was they don't have any money. Oh, they don't have any money. They don't have any money. We found a board that said, we're going to invest. We're going to spend, you know, we're going to do what it takes to get people in. Now they need to not just invest in athletics. They got to invest on the academic side as well. You can't do one without the other. You can't go reverse Louisville. You know, that's <laughs> just, <laughs> that ain't going flying. Um, so you're, you're going to have to find a way to invest. But, and, and here's the other thing is that I, I, I warn about this all the time with, uh, with my friends down here in, in, well, I'm not in South Tampa right now, but in, in South Tampa, I discuss this all the time, which is UT's coming, y'all. UT's going to be a D1. So I, I, full disclosure, I had heard that UT was already going to announce they're a member of the ASUN conference. Um, wow. Not football. Ooh. Not football. But they were going to be... Y'all, <laughs> yeah, oh, UT, ba- UT baseball, UT women's volleyball, uh, UT women's basketball, too. I mean, you know, I, women's basketball, I don't know if they've won a national championship. I know volleyball's won three. I think baseball's won like six. Six or seven, maybe even more. Um, behemoth. Baseball's a behemoth. They're huge. I mean, <laughs> Tino Martinez did, he didn't let Tino Martinez play at USF, so he went to UT. How'd that work out? Um <laughs> So, Jeez. like, I, I know. And, and here's the other thing, like, you know, as an aside, USF totally had the opportunity to buy UT's downtown campus past. Like, they were like, here, we don't, we're very poor right now, and you guys can fulfill the mission of the university. We could have bought, we could have bought <clears throat> Kennedy downtown on the, on the river, oh, in the downtown Tampa. The, the beautiful buildings. Yeah. The gorgeous buildings. We could have had it all and didn't. They just, they didn't buy them. They never bought the university mall. They never bought UT's campus. Um, so like UT's coming and a lot of people on that side of the world are going to invest in UT and a lot of the money in our region is, you know, South Kennedy and, you know, USF has to find a way to be competitive, um, and get everyone in the region, not just in North Tampa. They got to get everybody. Um, to donate and be a part of the program. I think this is a huge step forward in that direction. Um, you know, the other, and the other stuff that I think would really be helpful is kind of out of their control. I think like, you know, some, some kind of public transit that would run, you know, that would make it easier to get from, you know, downtown South Tampa to campus, you know, some, anything like would just make, it would feel like the, the, the region was a little bit more connected. Um, it doesn't matter where you are in Manhattan. You you can be a St. John's fan because, you know, you can get there from wherever. Um, that's a little bit more difficult with USF. And so just, you know, I think they've controlled everything that they can control. And yeah, this is, look, 
made a lot of mistakes in the past, but I, I think they're correcting them and they're correcting them much faster than I thought they would, honestly. It's been nothing but good news pretty much the past uh, two, you know, couple of years just, and we kept waiting for the other shoe to drop. And, and so far it's all been pretty, pretty positive. So yeah, I, I keep, yeah, I always say this, like, I still think this is a growth stock and we're still at the floor, but they, the thing is this time, this time, they're building it on the right foundation. They're doing things the right way. They're making the correct choices. They're not, these are not people that are here. The interests are not people that are short-term trying to promote a resume so they can go somewhere else and get out. They're trying to build this thing the right way and make this a destination place and a destination university. Um, and I think they've really made tremendous progress on that front. But, you know, look, is all gorgeous and wonderful and hoity-toity and pinkies up. We're in the AAU. That's awesome. Clink, you know, clink our champagne glasses in our ivory tower with Tulane and Rice. But like, we got we games, y'all. Like, we just yep. got <laughs> nobody, yeah. ain't nobody give a damn what what you know about AAU status if you're if you're two and ten in football. So don't do this. When uh, you, you get your first game against Western Kentucky, you play Alabama this year. Thirteen point dog at Western Kentucky. So directing sports, but I feel like that's low. I don't know. That seems. Hey, that's, think- <laughs> that seems, that seems right. <laughs> that offense is really good, and like your wholesale change in this whole thing. And I trust Golish, and I like what the staff has put together. But like game one, thirteen. No, we're a thirteen point underdog. There yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. So I'm saying, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Awesome. That might be low. That offense is really good. <laughs> you think so? You think it should be like twenty? I don't, I wouldn't hate it if it was. I think I think fourteen. I think under two touchdowns. You, 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 they got a new coordinator. They got a new coordinator. Well, I think they got, might have two new coordinators at Western Kentucky. But oh, I actually didn't hear that part. The quarterback. Uh, once Austin Reed came back, it was just like, okay, guy threw four thousand yards last year, just like casually. They got uh, uh, one still of- the worst defense, and I mean, again, I don't anticipate that to continue to happen. But generally, it takes a little bit of time outside of game one. You're not going to just flip the switch. But who knows? Yeah, that's one thing I was hoping to get more. That's one thing I was hoping to get uh, down with Golish a little. He gave us a little bit on it, but you know, is he just basically going USC, where he's just gonna, hey, we know we're bad on defense, just try to take the ball away as much as possible. I don't care if you give up a bunch of explosive plays. If you can get, if we can just keep winning the turnover battle every game, then we have a chance to win if our offense is good. So, I, I, and I, I think I, that's the way he's going. I, here's the other, like, off, slightly off top, totally off topic for what we were discussing, but like. <laughs> If I'm goal, if I'm Golish or if I'm MK or if I'm Will Weatherford, I would go to Golish and be like, "All right, look, we're not going to judge you on 23. You know, if you, whatever happens in the Alabama game, that's our fault. We scheduled it our bad. Sorry about that. Um, the and in 24, you got to show a little bit of improvement by 24, especially with the portal now. Things can change, but you can turn over a roster faster in college football than you ever could before. But like, you need to be good in 25." That needs to be the standard because you got to sell season tickets for the new crib in 2026. <laughs> so, like, do whatever you have to do the next two seasons. Turn the roster how you need, change whatever you want. But in 2025, you have to be competitive. It's the only way this works. You, have, you don't have to win 12 games, but you have to be competitive, bowl eligible, good at football by 2025, or reasonable at football for sure. Offseason hot take. Uh, USF covers against Alabama. What's the number? Ooh, whatever it is, I think they cover. <laughs> Forty. I think it's going to be huge. 
And I think Saban's not going to want to show Tennessee anything. About how Saban doesn't cover and Saban does not cover in those huge spread. Games. He doesn't want to show Tennessee how he's going to play the offense. Right. Yeah, so he, he does not cover. He tends. I don't think cover. he'd use it as a lab. I think he'd just say, you know, what, we can go out and grind out a win. We don't need to show anything. So. Yeah, yeah that's a that's a Florida recruiting trip for them, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're going to get this twice. He does. We got to look at the Tennessee offense. So. That'll, yeah. I will be at one of those because I would love to go to Tuscaloosa. Uh, so I did want to, uh, you mentioned there are 71 AEU universities uh, or schools. Um, I saw a different number, but I realized that's what USF and the, or USA, um, there are two universities in Canada that are also part of it. So what I was just looking at was, so if there's two from two, there's 71, that would make 69 in the US. Nice. That's for you, Heat the Poop. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> I think that, I think next year I think next year we put out an AAU top twenty-five in football. I think they I think USF would be comfortably in it at the back end. Uh, be close. It'd be, uh, maybe maybe not. They'd be close. They'd be receiving votes in the AAU top twenty-five in football. I'm trying to see, actually, I might be right here. Damn it! I, I peeked. I peeked it. through it. I peeked uh, through the list. There's some Illinois is going to be good. Utah, oh Utah's good. Kansas, Michigan. We're going to be better than Colorado. <laughs> so uh, probably not. I could probably not. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I'm just trolling. USF will throttle Harvard. Oregon's going to be good. Bring it on Crimson. Yeah. Bring it on Crimson. Get you in Yale. <laughs> it's Emory F football. No Georgia Tech. Hmm. Mm, but... Oh, Ohio State's in there. Okay. Close. Oof. Stand. Yeah, Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech's an interesting. I did like kind of go to Matt Marcus. I think I think Matt Brown said it's like, ah, yes, USF and ASU. They're uh they're 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 common uh peer institutions, Columbia and Stanford. Like that's right, baby. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's so interesting because I what there's three UC schools, right? Three or four? Or Irvine, Riverside, UCLA. Berkeley, you see Santa Barbara and San Diego. That's six. Davis, Berkeley, Irvine, LA, Riverside, San Diego, Santa Barbara, Santa Cruz. Eight of them. Wow. That's unbelievable. Yeah. And none of the states, none of the state schools, only the UC schools. Interesting. Um, Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I'm, I'm, Look, I've been very optimistic about USF for the last five years, despite the fact that I have zero evidence to show that I think they're actually doing the right thing because we're not winning anything. And, uh, um, but I, I'm still optimistic. I think we hired people who didn't take shortcuts, and I think someday that will pay off. And if it doesn't, it's okay. I live. I'm going to live on the 15th floor now. I can just jump. You know what I mean? It'll be fine. You go to lightning games. Lightning will never disappoint you. Come on, baby. <laughs> The, the, the only thing I will say: cap jail with no draft picks. I, I hear the NBA is looking for expansion candidates. Call, please. They are. Well, the WNBA is looking yeah. sooner and put faster. a double. Put a double and, in there. Mm-hmm. And the WNBA coming to Tampa makes so much flippant sense. Like it's mm-hmm. insane. They could. And by the way, that league when they add, they can add four teams tomorrow and not have one iota of drop. Well, yeah, they're cutting yeah. draft picks. Yeah, right? cutting first round draft. Yeah. First round, the first overall pick in the 2021 draft can't get on the court. She got cut. 
Like, cause she never got the play because she was, there's no way to develop players. Like it's insane. So yeah, it's a problem. Yeah, but my, uh, so it's a hit on something that Colin said about building on a good foundation and being, uh, uh, doing things smarter rather than faster. Um, I know we like to joke around about people wanting the renderings and everything. The, um, it's a good thing that we haven't seen those yet. And it kind of, going to what might teach my students about uh engineering and chip design you can want it, want it fast you want it cheap you want it well done pick two right yeah. um mm-hmm. if you want the renderings faster you're either going to need to increase the cost or you're going to degrade the quality um and everything else with the way that usf's going it's not it's it's a good thing that we're not trying to go all out to get into the aacc you know tomorrow because that's not the right way to go about things it's better that we aim for five six seven even longer years out uh michael kelly said it uh, somewhere um he's just hey let's take this opportunity let's build some good teams um let's win on the field let's use this uh, as a community builder and then when the time's right the time is right and i think that uh to to anthony's question um i just think that uh we're doing things smart and which is nice. It's, it's um, I, I have not always been the a person you, you guys know my opinion on the um, on the on the Bulls logo snafu very but um, I you think that that killed. you 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 went very far in helping get that killed, sir. Just so you me, know, me and Charlie that. Strong probably deserve like names in like the Ring of Honor for that. That <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, like anybody everybody can critique, uh, critique Charlie Strong all they want. He practically threw his body in front of that. Um, but yeah, I just think that Incredible. it, uh, it, it's, we're doing things right. Um, be patient, uh, and it, things will come around and, you know, if we don't get into the big 12 or the ACC, but we build a really good thing where we are, that's also good. Um, I, I think that we should, uh, focus the right, the university, we've got the right leadership. They're doing things the right way. And I'm happy about that. Yeah, and like Colin said earlier, I think you the ideal thing would be to be peaking as this new stadium opens. So you have a very good team in conjunction with a lot of excitement around a new facility. And I think that would propel you further in any realignment discussion than just kind of renderings and things like that. Mm-hmm. So speaking of renderings, uh, I was one of those that got invited to those focus groups that they were doing with the architect and the builder. And I know a bunch of people were talking about it and on Facebook and I you know, I knew a couple of the people that were in my group already. Um, what really impressed, and by the way, uh, Michael Kelly was there. Um, the new president of the USF Foundation or the uh, development director of the university, whose name just escapes me right now, he was there. Um, you know, uh, uh, Bill, Bill McCausland from the Alumni Association was there. So they had um, a lot of people who they who they brought in, and what impressed me it was two things one not only that they did it and that they brought in a very diverse and they did multiple sessions with a lot of different people because i know a lot of different people got brought into one but the the other thing was they they asked the right questions which were they were open-ended um you know it's sometimes in a thing like that like i feel like when uh when we did the logo they did focus groups like this as well i'm sure it was much more like don't you love this isn't this great won't you think that this is how we should, you know, uh, ambition over tradition is what we should really brand our university as. And it's almost like push polling, 
Whereas this is, was very open and what do you guys want to see? And, you know, I think all of us to a, a person said game day atmosphere is the m- number one, most important thing. You know, we can work around the rest. We can work around shade. Yeah. We're going to have to have some luxuries because we're, our fan base is, um, uh, you know, used to the accoutrement of, of Ray J and yeah, our, our donors need some leather chair backs and they're going to need some shade and, you know, some things like that. But like the students can sit on spike metal benches that's fine um because they should be standing up at football games anyway and i I, the students even agreed with that that were in my session even they were like yeah we don't you know we don't need any of that stuff um and i was i was super duper impressed um so you know i they're working with hok populace i i think they dropped the hok a while ago but it's populace who built like literally every stadium you love they built all of um from camden yards all the way forward, Pac Bell, you know, or AT&T Park now. Um, everything you've ever loved, the, in a stadium you've gone, it's really freaking awesome. They built it. And so they, they're working with the right people too. And to get that group in here, um, I think they're going to do it right. But, you know, look at me, the optimist, the, the raging optimist about the University of South Florida. Yeah, that, that's the shocking part right now. You're, you're, that leads me to believe that you know good things are about to happen. And when we were seeing it, so I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to the way this process works and like being across, you know, nearby campus. Curious how this whole thing uh, from that first shuttle in the ground to what ends up being. Interesting to have this uh, plays out. And actually, DA Mike from PA two one five forever. Uh, somebody did ask about a live bull and a statue of bull um, in my group, um, and I. You know, I, I think it's something that, that they're considering. A live bull just has massive implications. You know, I know they can do it at Colorado with like livestock, but there are other things that you just got to build around there. And I, I know, don't, baby. and I, yep. eh, and I don't think that um, that's going to happen um, anytime soon. You know, um, I, I, and especially like in an environment now where like we're a little nicer to animals than we used to be like the sooner schooner and Mike, the tiger being on the cage at the sidelines at LSU gets like protested a lot, you know, like maybe we should just like leave the live animals out of it. Um, yeah, but we'll see. I may trade lives with Mike right now. He's got a pretty good like in that uh, enclosure, but all right, I think you know, <laughs> it's pretty good stuff. Um, you know, besides the people beating on it all the time, it's probably not too fun. But um, yeah. I think we'll probably we may get you guys back on maybe when some more stadium stuff comes out to really get in depth on it because we've gone pretty long already here. But there's a lot, lot more of the stadium. I think even without the stuff, just the minimal stuff that's been put out that's really interesting to talk about. But maybe we'll do that another time. So. Vito, you got anything else? I think we're well. I think we'll probably uh, push the recruiting talk to uh, mm-hmm. we get Sean and Steve back on, and then we, they get a little more in depth on it. And, yeah, uh, we'll chat more baseball. Pop. Yeah, we'll chat more baseball, more basketball with um, uh, new coach uh, Abdul Rahim. What he's been doing. Um, we'll do that the next time we get Nate back as well. Um, uh, plugging for him. If you haven't, go get your tickets to go see Sound of Music over at Carrollwood Players, where uh, Nate got a really good review, and so did his daughter Olivia. Um, we're going. My wife and I are going on the twenty third, Friday the twenty third. So let's try to get as many people as we can to support Nate because that's his debut, and uh, he says he's loving it. But it's a exhausting first weekend, so uh, we'll get him back here pretty shortly. The twenty third is a Discord meetup date, right? So. 
If you want to do a Discord, yeah. it would be the 23rd. So there Let's you do go. it. Friday the 23rd. That's the Friday of closing weekend. And uh, yeah, we'll go support. Yeah. And if you haven't checked out uh, on the YouTube channel, on the podcast, if you guys haven't checked out our interview with uh, Coach Golish from earlier or from last month, a couple of weeks ago, um, he was awesome. Really good information. So check that out if you haven't already. Um, and I'm not sure exactly what our schedule is going to be, but if uh, anything big breaks like this AAU news, we'll try to get on it as quickly as possible. Thank you again, uh, Dr. Matt and Colin. And uh, for Seth and Vito, this is the Bluminati Podcast. We'll see you next time. Thank you, Seth. Thank you, Vito. Good talking to you. Like, I appreciate you guys.